Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. Okay, Mr. Davis, let's have ourselves some tech gumbo for the day. Sounds fantastic. Begin with the news and updates, as we so enjoy doing. Starting off with SpaceX is actually going to deorbit about 100 of their Starlink satellites. This is pretty regular stuff for them. It's maintenance. They found a vulnerability that they're, they're not thrilled about, and so they are taking them down. But at the rate that they are throwing satellites up, they already have 5,400 spinning around. And so 100 up, 100 down, that's not really a big deal to them. Exactly. These 100 satellites are going to come down, and when they bring them down, they're going to completely burn up and disintegrate on, on re-entry. So you don't have to worry about anything falling and hitting anybody anywhere. And it's always been planned that these things were not up there permanently. They were, as they get close to the end of their usefulness, they're just going to start deorbiting these satellites. And it'll be a continuous process that has been that way since day one. That was the plan. They're going to keep putting more up and keep, keep bringing more down. So they're always got the newest best up there. But not everyone is happy about this. The group of astronomers that are the Committee on Peaceful Uses of Outer Space at the United Nations is shaking their fists at this. They are one of a lot of different groups of astronomers who are very upset that the SpaceX satellites do pollute the night sky and are making it very hard for ground-based astronomy to happen. They're just not necessarily pulling on the strongest of levers here. I think you said it right when right they're outside in the night shaking their fist up at the night sky and going to the UN's Committee on Peaceful Use of Outer Space is probably about as effective as shaking your hand at the night sky because you're six years too late. If you'd have had this conversation in 2015, 16, and 17, when SpaceX was saying they're going to put up 12 to 30,000 satellites, that was the time to have this stop. It's a little too late. I mean, this is like complaining because your barn is leaking, but the barn has 
already burned down. And there's grass growing back up where the barn once was. Also, the, the UN is not the organization which would have the power. Even if this wasn't already several years afterwards, if you went to the U.S. government, you went to NASA or you went to other U.S. agencies, they would be the ones to, to actually be able to do something about this. Trying to get a draft provisional agenda to be discussed in a committee, to have hearings on it, to develop recommendations. You're just years of bureaucracy of people all sitting around and agreeing this is bad. No one no one is in favor of this, but there's just no actual way for this to turn into action. This is yelling into an echo chamber that having something repeated back to you that you want to hear, but it's going to have, as you said, zero effect. Speaking of echo chambers, NASA is beginning another one of their year-long crew studies. They want to take and have a group of people living in a controlled environment, the Crew Health and Performance Exploration Analog, CHIPA-2 mission. They wanted to start in the spring of 2025 with four crew members inside a 1,700-square-foot, 3D-printed habitat somewhere in Houston, probably down at, at Johnson Space Center, preparing for a Mars simulation. This is part of a long line of tests that NASA has done. NASA and other various space-interested organizations have been looking to see what happens when you put people in a confined space for a long period of time, because that's theoretically what a rocket trip to Mars would be or a permanent stay on Mars would be months, years, decades of you and five or ten of your soon-to-be closest friends trying to survive and they have a really bad history of going terribly because someone always gets upset someone always gets their feelings hurt and now you no longer have a team of scientists all working together you have a bunch of petty individuals who are quabbling over the smallest of things and it's gonna be tough hopefully that they've they figured it out but I'm I'm not holding my breath on this one. Well, we all saw the, the movie The Martian, so we know it's a nine-month trip to get there and, and depend upon where Mars is in its orbit in relations to Earth's orbit. It could be as much as a year and a half to get back. And so it's a three-year mission to go to Mars if you're just going to do a round trip. But if you're going to spend any time there, now you're talking four and five years well, if you're only sitting these four people together for one year, what's going to happen in years two, three, four, five during this trip to our nearest neighbor? My guess is that there's some plateau effects here so that if you make it past the first month, if you make it past six months, if you make it to a year and everyone's still on a good page, that like second, third, fourth, fifth year, you know, you're... You've, you've really gotten to know the people around you. There are still going to be new things that you learn, but you've really got an idea of, of your day-to-day. -day. You're, you're all working together, and you have a functioning relationship. And so you also have to do it in stages that if this one goes well, and it's a 12-month process, and the, maybe Chapa 3 will be two years, and Chapa 4 will be five. 
So if you have two years work of ed education towards a doctoral program in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or if you've completed a medical degree, or you are a test pilot, please reach out to NASA because they'd like to talk to you about maybe being a part of Chipa Chapa 2, the Mars simulation. If I had the time, if I had the space, I'd consider it. I don't think your girlfriend would appreciate it. I don't think your mom would allow it. <laughs> and you're a grown man. <laughs> yeah, that statement was predicated on ifs. And that is that is not the world that we live in. No, it's not. The One of the worlds we do live in is cyber crime. But the good news is a an international group of law enforcement agencies brought down Lockbit, which is one of the largest, most disruptive cyber criminal groups. It was 11 different countries had law enforcement agencies participating together. It was spearheaded by Britain's National Crime Agency, but Lockbit, as you said, was the most deployed piece of ransomware in the world in 2022. This ransomware has been deployed more than 10 million times, extorting money from people. It is widely believed, no surprise, that this Lockbit started in Russia. It has been deployed 10 million times to extort $120 million. And so this is a large-scale organization. This has done a lot of damage. And so the fact that they've been able to bring it down, in addition to finding the decryption keys. And so a lot of people who had their stuff stolen will actually be able to be returned to them. That is so cool that more than a 1,000 de decryption keys were found on, on this site. It has been already released to servers in 28 different countries. According to the article, if you went to the Lockbit website, which I'm sure was on the dark web, there's a big logo that said, this site is now under control of law enforcement. That's a really powerful message. If you show up at this site thinking you're going to get some ransomware and you see the FBI's logo on it. Not just the FBI, about a dozen different logos from Europe, from the U.S., Canada, Britain, I think some Eastern Asian countries as well. This was the best of the best globally. Moving on, the car manufacturers are facing some UN cyber rules, and it's causing them to stop manufacturing and supporting older model vehicles. Yes, this is specifically about one of the things that we've talked about on this show, and it's the fact that cars are now computers on wheels, but some of the, the vehicles made by Porsche and other manufacturers have been on the market for about a decade and that they don't have the necessary cybersecurity infrastructure. Car manufacturers are, are having to face some really difficult decisions about building in cybersecurity protections for these vehicles or at least allowing third-party developers to come up with some solutions or to just say, that's it, we're not going to support them anymore. If you're going to drive these vehicles, you're now on your own. And that's ultimately the goal here is that we need to be hardening our cybersecurity systems in everywhere where they occur. And cars are just a very obvious target for that. And so expect things like this to start happening in a lot of different places. Cars are just very visible. They uh, have a high threat risk. And so 
we want cars that are susceptible and vulnerable to cyber attacks to be removed from the marketplace because if not they could be very dangerous so this this is a great thing that we are getting to place wherever other people in the world definitely not the u.s because we don't take actions here with our regulations but the rest of the world is doing something to make it safer when you consider that in the united states the average car stays on the road for 12 and a half years it's slightly less than that in, in the european union but not by much so when you have these cars stick around for that long and they're that much of a cyber problem that becomes a very very protracted problem that you're going to have people having their cars hacked and creating chaos on the road if we don't start doing something very soon about these computers on wheels and it's not just the fact that they are computers on wheels they are also electric vehicles on wheels and here in the u.s they're struggling a little bit hertz had originally back in 2021 ordered a hundred thousand teslas and they're putting the brakes on that a little bit hertz is actually going to sell off twenty thousand of the evs now they're still saying hey we're going to have evs available to rent and everything we're not getting away from the ev we just don't need as many as we have in hand right now part of this is also due to the fact that teslas are looking worse from a resale standpoint their resale value is dropping and so that means that the value of that asset is less than Hertz originally expected. And in fact, you can start buying the 2021 Tesla Model 3 for 20 grand from Hertz, which is a really good price for that car. And so if you're someone who's looking for an EV, look at look at your local Hertz. That's that's a really great price for that. That's a nice vehicle. So this is part of a trend that we're seeing whenever here in the US the EVs are taking longer to hit than people had originally estimated. The U.S. is looking to relax regulations from the EPA that will allow a little bit longer timelines before you start to see car manufacturers being pushed into EV productions. The, the idea that the full electric cars are just not quite as ready for prime time for most people to go out and buy is just, you know, there's a lot of things that go along with it. You're, a lot of people don't want to spend all that money to set up the charging station at their house. They don't want to have to depend upon a charging station somewhere all around their city or town or, or, or driving across the country trying to know. So more and more people are still looking towards hybrids. Plug-in hybrids are definitely the technology that is ready right now. And that plug-in hybrids offer a fantastic break-even or, or offer a fantastic balance in terms of you're going to get much better mileage per gallon whenever you are using that hybrid engine. But you also have that backup of it is still going to consume some gasoline. And so, you know, electric vehicles are just, just not quite ready yet. I think... Two to five years, we'll really start to see them in a lot of different places, but they're just not quite there in the way that hybrids are. The idea that if when you have a hybrid, doesn't matter how cold it is outside, I can pull into a gas station, I can fill up my tank with gas, 
and drive on. And when I find if I if it's a plug in hybrid, I can, if I find a charger, then I can charge it. And some of the the original models of hybrids that one of those when when you pump the brakes, that's what charges the battery and gets great gas mileage. Yeah, I think it's also important to note that electric vehicles are facing issues not just on the demand side, but also on the supply side. That the amount of power that we're going to need to start generating is pretty tough. That we are in the process of trying to ramp up all of our you know, electricity production at our factories and our power plants. But the demand is increasing not just from EVs, but also data centers and AI and even cryptocurrency, and it's only exploding in growth. The fact that the demand for electricity by the data centers and AI alone, cryptocurrencies, those are on the downfall. They're not quite consuming the power that they once did because everybody's going to AI instead. Is still that um, that demand is going to double in the next three years, and when you have that kind of a, a demand for that much more power, you don't have the ability to build the infrastructure to get that power out across the grid that quickly. You don't have that many more charging stations so quickly readily available for everyone. It's going to make it harder to have a fully electric vehicle. Yeah, that's we're bringing a lot of solar online. We're bringing a lot of wind online. You know, we are increasing our renewable energy production. We're just also increasing our energy demand. And so we're in this place wherever both of these things are increasing. And that's a good thing. We we think that having data centers are incredibly valuable for society. We think that AI, when used properly, we'll get to that in the next segment, when used properly, is going to be a fantastic thing for society. And so we want to be able to power these incredible human inventions. We just also need to make sure that the power that we're using is sustainable. And so when it comes to powering our electric vehicles, powering our electric trucks, powering our our data centers, we're using so much more energy, which is a good thing if we can make sure that we're doing it the right way. When you consider there's there's about 8,000 data centers around the world, a third of which are here in the U.S. alone. And the amount of power that data centers consume, because you have to keep these places really cold. I mean, the AC is really, really working overtime. And then the power that these servers inside the data centers draw is is phenomenal you're putting a real strain on the power grid and we're just talking about these these 8000 data centers this isn't your your home your business any of those other types of of all the power the street lights along the street going down the road at night we're talking about just data centers alone well part of the reason why they're so prominent is because of their ex- explosive growth recently And you also see it in the water consumption. That's part of that cooling process is also 
uses a lot of fresh water. And so in California and Texas, where they've had issues with that recently, you're running up against a lot of your natural constraints. And so it's, it's on these companies to make sure that they're being thoughtful about how they implement all this. It really has become quite the issue and we'll see how it plays out. The electric, electric grids got to get better. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.